Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Guys, welcome back to another episode of Creative Source with Andy Osho, the podcast about creativity for the creative in you. So guys, thank you for specifically the supporters on Acast and for your messages. I just went onto the dashboard the other day and just saw and read all your lovely messages. Thank you. I really, really appreciate it. So this week, uh, the topic is being a pro but it's more to do with who you're being in the work environment. Uh, Last week, we talked um, more about what you do. So we talked more practical stuff, timekeeping, preparing for meetings, that type of thing. This time, it is more murkier waters because we are talking about how you conduct yourself, who you're being in the workplace. So um, if you haven't already listened to last week's, you might want to just drop into that one first um, and then come back to this one. But anyway, let's let's just get into it and see and see where we where we find ourselves. (laughs) The creative industries generally are very um, friendly, um, relationship based Certainly with like music and performance and acting, things like that, you have to build a a rapport with the people you're working with in quite short order. And so that can create some confusion and some missteps. So let's just talk about that whole world and and, yeah, see what we can unearth and and what learnings we can create (laughs) from, from the things we've been through. 
Now, I should say up top, I should have said this at the beginning, I'm not an authority in this in any way. And if there's any specific work-based situation that's occurred that you feel uncomfortable with, you're unsure about, go to your line manager or somebody senior to you or somebody that you can speak to about this that can do something about it or at least speak uh, through it with you. I also need to say that I have been very unprofessional at times. So I'm not saying any of this from some pious place of like innocence or whatever. Like I've done some terrible things that I won't even put in this podcast. So (laughs) I'm speaking more from uh, what I've learned from the things I've done wrong rather than, um, you know, that I have, I'm any kind of authority on this. So I just need to say that up top. (laughs) All right. So we touched on communication last time. Workplace communication can be a a little bit tricky. I'm not going to say a minefield, but there are some things that can go a little pear-shaped. So we've already spoken about meetings, but one other thing that I think is important to bear in mind is how you speak to colleagues and particularly juniors, because what I see on set sometimes and, and just generally around is juniors not getting spoken to very well or people thinking they're some sort of important person because they're in a particular role and therefore that requires them not to talk well to certain members of the team because they happen to be more junior. And what I really observed about that is that if you're like, for example, talent on set, we are occupying the space of that particular role and therefore Everybody who does stuff for us, brings us breakfast, opens up an umbrella above us if it starts raining and stuff. They're doing that because they're looking after the space that we occupy. It's not about us. Because if it was, if they saw us in the street, they would do the same thing. They don't. They're doing it because the space they occupy is uh, required to take care of the space that the talent is occupying. When you look at it like that, it creates a bit more of a distance so that the talent can see that it's not about them. They're not important. The space they're occupying is important. If lead actor one or lead actress uh, one is not happy, that just is going to make it difficult for everybody else. So that's why we keep lead actor or lead actress one happy. Not because they are important themselves, but because that role is important and we need it to be happy to be able to facilitate all the things that we've got to do. So when we create that distance between thinking that this is about me and about the space that I'm occupying, it means that you can talk to everybody with respect because they're just doing their jobs, right? And I think that's really important because it's very easy to slip into this idea that somehow there's this hierarchy which dictates how you can or can't talk to other people. And it ain't like that. Another thing is banter (laughs) in the workplace. Now, Times have changed and the things that were permitted, excused, ignored, locker room talk, whatever you want to call it, doesn't work anymore. So my advice is to be really mindful, even of swearing, know who you're talking to in terms of swearing, like sexual uh, sort of jokes, sexual banter. In fact, any reference to any sort of marginalized groups or anything like that. I remember working with somebody once who used a homophobic slur, basically, but not to somebody. They were just saying it. And it was just, it's obviously so part of that person's lexicon that it didn't occur to them that that was not an okay thing to say. And I just shut it down (laughs) because I was just like, first of all, no. But secondly, don't let people hear you say that stuff. 
you know, we're, we're mic'd up here for the love of God. How many actors and, and presenters and stuff have to be caught and politicians actually have to be caught out in hot mic scenarios for us to get that. So just when you have these interactions with people, just assume everyone can hear you. That's the safest way. And then you don't have to worry about what you say. It sounds like it's big brother policing and stuff like that. But really, do you want to be saying stuff like that? Do, do you want people hearing you saying stuff like that? What discreet conversation about, uh, that, that could cause offense? Do you, are you so desperate to have that like this is some annoying type of policing of you or of it? You're at work. You're not down the pub with your mates. So, <laughs> you know, it's just, it's just tough. That's my thought on it. And actually it isn't hard. If you just put a bit of thought into the way that you communicate, it's really, it's really quite straightforward. It's just like, just speak like everybody can hear you. Also attitude, um, attitude at work. I think, that, you know, this, this episode is really about who you're being in the workplace and attitude is a big part of being uh, professional, I would say. And part of that I mentioned last time is, is responsibility. So one of the signs of somebody who's not really professional is that their unwillingness to be responsible for things, the huffing and hawing, like when they get asked to do something or the excuses when something isn't done right, or the not making good on things that they failed at. It's a, quite an, a distasteful energy to be around and, and it's unprofessional. Now, obviously being responsible for something is not the same as taking the blame. Somebody may have done the thing, they're to blame for it, but you can still take responsibility for putting something right. So just catch yourself when you start to make excuses or talk around just owning up to something. Oh yeah, yeah, I forgot to do the blah, blah, blah. Oh yeah, I put two in instead of one of the thing and the thing. I don't know what example I'm giving here, but do you know what I mean? Just be responsible. People respect you so much more if you're willing to say, oh, my bad, let me put that right. Now, if you continue to make the same mistake, that's when you start to get into trouble. But if you own a mistake, a good supervisor, they might be a little cross at first, but they'll work with you to put it right. It's when people try and hide stuff and pretend something didn't happen. That's when it gets problematic. Can we talk about gossiping? Oh my gosh. I mean, I've been a heinous gossip in the past. I've done it. I've definitely done it. I think we've all done it. I think we've sometimes done it and not realized we're gossiping. If you're talking about a thing or a person in a way that you wouldn't want them to hear, it's gossip. It really is. And it's so hard to extricate yourself from because it's juicy. And there's probably like this whole psychology around why we love gossiping, which I won't go into because I don't know. And I don't want to know necessarily. I just know that it's like not a nice thing to do. And it's not a nice thing to do in the workplace because it creates division. It breaks the cohesive unit down into cliques. And that's probably one of the worst toxic things that can happen in a workplace is people breaking down into cliques. So if you don't, just don't get into gossip, if you can, uh, if you can avoid it, just, just steer clear of it. If people around you are gossiping, remove yourself from those conversations. You don't have to stop them gossiping. That's their journey. But just if you cannot participate in it, you will make, you're not participating in it will contribute to the workplace being a much more harmonious place. And what did we say last time? The, uh, you know, being a pro is about creating a harmonious and successful work environment and work relationships. Equally bad mouthing people. I mean, I suppose it comes under the umbrella of gossip, but it's just like, 
it looks bad on you actually. It looks worse. Sometimes bad mouthing people looks worse on you than it does on the person that you're actually talking about. An example is like when you go into an interview and you start like slating your old company, there's neutral ways that you can say that things didn't work rather than just going, oh, my manager was like useless. She was literally incompetent. And I, and I, so I decided that I, instead of trying to cover up for her, I'm getting a new job. You can say, I felt like I no longer fitted into the dynamic of my team. And I also am interested in maybe taking on a more supervisory role because I'm starting to do a little bit of that anyway. Do you see what? It's kind of, you're saying the same thing, but (laughs) you're not slating your boss. (laughs) So bad mouthing, yuck. (laughs) Also being indiscreet. Um, Now, uh, there's many, many ways it's possible to be indiscreet at work. You can talk about salary inappropriately or fees inappropriately. It's not to say that the conversations around that are banned, but you've got to be responsible, man, in terms of how, when you talk about these things, because if you start talking about fees or something like that, you might set this whole thing in motion, you know, because you might be talking to someone who's earning a lot less, who realizes they're earning a lot less than they should or could, or a woman who's earning a lot less than a, a guy or a, so, so be, you've got to be very careful about about who and what you talk about certain things with. Talk like everyone can hear you. What about attire? Attire. Because um, it's an interesting thing because the creative industries are not the corporate industries. You know, there's no uniform. We don't have a uniform. And I think it would be a sad day if we all started to assume sort of a corporate um, outward identity. So, so never feel like you have to dress a particular way. What I would say is that like, if you're supposed to look professional, look professional by your standards, look dressed up by your standards, look smart, casual by your standards, not by somebody else's. So if that means looking professional means wearing a box fresh pair of sneakers instead of your old, you know, Converse's or something, then that's you being professional. You don't have to wear dress shoes or, you know, heels or a suit or whatever to be a pro or to to dress like a pro. And I think that if you dim down your authenticity to meet someone where they are, uh, or meet somebody else's expectations, you're compromising yourself in a way that won't actually benefit you in the long term, especially not in the context of the relationship you're having with that person. So don't ever, is you don't need to feel like you need to compromise yourself to appear outwardly, you know, in terms of your exterior e- expression to appear professional. Hi, I'm Kylie Dunbar and you are listening to Creative Sauce with Andy Osho. Let's take a listener's comment because I think this leads on quite well. So uh, true that 2T4 says, how do I present a professional image while maintaining my realness? Well, do you know what I would say? And I think, um, yeah, it's, it's more not how do you do that, but why do you have the idea that your realness is unprofessional? Like it sounds like, but in that question, it sounds like you're saying either I'm professional or I present my realness. Well, your realness could be still professional. You can be you and be professional. The only thing I would say is take on board some of the things that I've said 
about how to conduct oneself and what you do practically to be a pro. So if you're, you know, if your realness involves being late, then maybe you might have to change some of your realness because that's not going to go down so well. But there's basic courtesies and ways of communicating stuff like that, that will let people know that you're a professional without you actually compromising your self-expression. That's what I guess I'm saying is don't compromise your self-expression. There's, but there's just general courtesies that we can extend to the people we're working with. And that's not such a big deal. And that won't compromise us. Well, it shouldn't do anyways. And if you feel judged by the other people and they are actively sort of looking down at you or trying to undermine you and make it look like you're not being professional, then I think that says more about them than it does about you. Just a reminder, my fabulous listeners, that on Patreon, I'm trying to get to eight more patrons, at which point I will add a new perk to the first tier, the opening tier, the £5.43 tier. Once I get to eight patrons, um, I'm going to add bonus content to the Ask Me Anything perks on Patreon. So if that's something you want to be part of making happen, then head into the show notes, click on the link and just pop over to Patreon. And remember, this is not like a lifetime commitment. You know, if you decide that, okay, I want to end the subscription or whatever, don't feel away about it. There's nothing but love for you here. But um, everyone that has been supporting the podcast, thank you so much. You have made stuff happen because of your support for the show. So guys, let's talk about outside of work because this is where things start to get super gray. Let's start with social media. So (laughs) as we have seen, historical tweets tend not to age well and they can come back to bite you. I left Twitter for a little while. I had a bit of a bumpy interaction with somebody and I think I deactivated Twitter and then I came back and I literally only followed about four people. I deleted all previous tweets because people will go and unearth something from 10 years ago and out of context. Yeah, a lot of that stuff stinks. So so my I guess my overarching thing is just be mindful of what you're putting on social media, particularly as you start to get some profile, even though it's not necessarily a professional tool. It is your voice into the world. And so people are very good at like mining social media and old posts. So just be careful of what you say. Now, it doesn't mean you can't say what you want. You can say what you want, freedom of speech. The thing that people don't understand about freedom of speech is you can say what you want, but you can't say what you want without consequences. There are consequences for some of the things that you might want to share. So on social media, bear that in mind. If you're working for a a company, you may need to uh, put a disclaimer in your biog. These are my views and not the views of such and such organization just to cover them. They may ask you to do that or you may feel like, you know what, I just need to do that anyways. Because people don't distinguish between the individual and the organization. If they see you constantly, say you're a presenter who's regularly on a particular show or a particular channel, they see you as an ambassador for that channel, regardless of whether you're in that sort of um, contractual relationship with that company or not. It's just like, oh, okay, fine. I'm now the the voice of ITV, am I? Even though they're not paying me for that. But 
Also, just a specific one for actors and and, uh, technical, anyway, but basically people on film sets and TV sets is be really mindful of sharing pictures and vids and when you share them from on set. Increasingly, I mean, certainly in in the jobs that I've done recently, people have been really tight on when and what you can share on social media. If they tell you they have a social media policy, respect it. Don't post stuff ahead of time. You know, it's not your place to, you know, PR and marketing have a very specific plan of how they want to share what um, the show is about and who's in it and stuff like that. And you just going and blasting all that stuff on social media will not go down well. And it will be one of those things that gets attached to your reputation as well in the industry. Um, And also, you know, you may have to ask permission as well when you take pictures, not just, um, you know, of the producers from the producers or whatever, but don't just assume somebody wants to take a picture with you on set. Somebody might be preparing. They might be trying to get themselves into a particular headspace for a role. They may not want to be on social media. They may be in witness protection, although being uh, on a TV show is probably not the best place if you're in witness protection. But you know what I mean? Like, just be mindful of the fact that don't assume everybody wants to create social social media content with you. Let's talk about alcohol and drugs. So you see what I was, see what I'm saying like this this area is like kind of murky or it can be. Now, like I said, I'm not speaking from any authority on this or any sort of pious position of like holier than thou. I used to drink at lunchtime like all the time. <laughs> Like I used to work in this environment where we would drink at lunchtime all the time. It didn't occur to me that that wasn't like, okay, to be slightly drunk in the afternoon, but it was the nineties. <laughs> so much gets excused like that. Oh, it was the eighties or whatever. But anyway, I would say that's actually a no, no. I think drinking at work is, is not really worth it. There are some situations where people might want to have a drink to take the edge off, so to speak. That's your call. But what I've found with alcohol is it takes the edge off in a bad way. I'm not as alert. And the things that I do where alcohol's been offered, being funny, basically, like say, even on the Graham Norton show, they offered me a drink and I just had a soda water and with a slice of lime in it to make it look like a gin and tonic because I, I was just like, I'm too nervous to have my wits dimmed. Do you know what I mean? I want to be alert. I want to hear everything that's said. I want to be able to think quickly and be able to respond and say funny stuff and stuff like that. And maybe I'll have a drink afterwards, but on set, um, it's not for me. Now, I think that's a personal call. I don't want to make it sound like, oh, you're drinking at work. You're not a good person or whatever. It's not that at all. I just think that it sort of takes the edge off and I don't think it does what people think it does. I think it actually dulls your senses and your responses rather than helps. Now, some people need it for nerves. And I've been in social situations like to do with work where actually I've needed a drink because I feel quite nervous and like not comfortable in in the environment. And so having a little glass of champagne or Prosecco or something is, is, has helped. But when you've got to actually do work, personally for me, I'm just like, it, alcohol doesn't give me anything. Now, as I mentioned drugs, all I'm going to say is if you get caught, you're out. So make your decision around that based uh, on that. Now, you know, I'm, I'm guessing most of us don't work in environments where we're getting drug tested as such, but like, if you get caught, it's embarrassing first off, but you're, you're going to lose the job. So 
make your decision based on that. Now, if you've got addiction issues and stuff like that, that's a whole other world and not really what I'm talking about here. But if like recreationally, you think it'd be fun to do that at work. I don't know. (sighs) You get caught, you're out. All right. So listen, guys, just very quickly, um, shout out for patrons. If you want to be part of this eight patrons that are going to reinvent my tier perks, then head over to the Patreon page link in the show notes. But also I hope by now, because obviously I record these a little way in advance that I've had the chance to create this Facebook group where we can meet as a community of creatives and artists and just chat uh, about creativity and what we're up to and projects and stuff like that. So in the show notes, there will be details of um, how to find this group, how to join it. And yeah, hopefully I will see you guys there where we can keep the conversation going. Okay. So I've just had a look at my notes, you guys. And I really think, because the next topic I wanted to look at is intimacy, flirting and stuff like that. I think let's make that a mini, like another mini episode to go along with this. Because rather than me trying to rush through it, do you get me? Let's have a little bit of bite-sized advice because um, my lovely, lovely friend, James Redmond has recorded a couple of clips for me. So I'm going to use one in this episode and then next week I'll uh, share with you the other one. So let's have a listen to what James Redmond had to say about being a pro. Okay, being a pro. Um, it might sound obvious this, but um, it's quite basic. I've met quite a few actors in my time who don't really give themselves a chance by not really learning the scripts, you know, before auditions. And it just seems obvious, but be off book, you know, just um, I think you have to just do as much as you can of uh, rehearsing the scene for the audition. So you're off book and you can, you know, play with it. You can come, you can come off, you can take um, direction during your audition, play it a different way or whatever. So you're so comfortable with all the lines that you just have to have to deal with sort of emotion and getting into the part at the audition. I think that's the main bit of advice. There's all kinds of stuff, you know, obviously when you get the gig, you know, it's a very social or sociable industry ours, you know, so everyone kind of goes out on the piss, which is important, you know, to sort of bond with people that you're meant to know, you're meant to be friends with or colleagues with on screen. Um, But people do often just, you know, not learn the lines. So you're on set thinking, wow, this person has not learned the lines. And you've got to be professional. I think um, it's more than 50% of um, why people get longer careers. I've got a director friend of mine who just said, look, you know, if you're doing a long running show with somebody, doesn't matter how good they look, how right they are, you know, physically for the part and how talented they are. If they're difficult to work with, you just go to somebody else. So that was James Redmond, who you will know as Finn. Everyone knows him as Finn from Hollyoaks, but he was also abs in Casualty. He was in Mile High, Corey at Emmerdale. He's done so much stuff. So he's been on set a lot, done a lot of work. Now, obviously his um, advice there was talking specifically about actors on set, but really what he's saying is the be prepared thing, which is what I was talking about in the last episode, be prepared, know what you're going into. Um, But he also touched on, and this is what I talked about in this episode and what I'm going to talk about in the next episode is like, you know, alcohol, socializing and stuff like that. 
particularly filming and uh, filming for TV and television is very sociable and you are supposed to have a rapport with the people that you're working with. And so the lines can get a little bit blurred and it is one of those things where you have to be really mindful of how you conduct yourself. So next time we are going to talk about, it's probably going to be a a bit of a shorter episode, but we're just going to talk about like the whole intimacy, personal contact type of thing, because that's also a thing at work and where we are now in society, how we relate to each other, how we talk about each other and what's appropriate is changing so rapidly. I think it's worth us having that conversation even if it's not something that applies to you, I think just having that conversation and bearing those things in mind, ultimately will help us all in the work environment. So until then, thank you so much to True That. Oh, it, it's actually True That 2T4 um, for your listener comment and also to James for his bite-sized advice and to you guys for tuning in and for you know just be keeping the conversation going being part of that and um showing up every week with your love and support i really really appreciate it so until next time i'll see you soon planning for your next trip elevate your travel style with quince Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love. And be confident that every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. I hope you enjoyed that episode of Creative Source. If you're looking for more support with your creative journey, I'm offering one-to-one online mentoring. Perhaps you want to launch a project but don't know where to start. Maybe you've got stuck around a certain issue, need some advice, or just want to bounce ideas around. Whatever it is, I'm here. Just hit the Patreon link in the show notes or go to patreon.com forward slash creative source with Andy Osho to find out more.